0: Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. The church has gotten much better at this word lament. Um, We've understood that lament is not a negative thing, that somehow um, grief is not to be condemned. That somehow you shouldn't feel bad or wrong or sinful for, Feeling pain, um, being upset—I've um, learned this with my family, with my uh, brother losing his wife, and my my wife now losing her grandfather, and then having a close friend lose somebody recently. Um, It's—it it, is—it is—it is okay, um, and so I, I won't ever speak against it. I've understood it in a new way over these last few years. But well, what I also understand uh, is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that while lament is a necessary part of who we are as believers, um, usually our correction in things is an overcorrection of something else. And so what we can tend to do as people is overcorrect something and then come back to center. What I mean by that is I was at a wedding this week, as you know, and, uh, and the groom started to cry as he talked about his journey. And We've been a part of their journey for a while, and it's an amazing story. Beat addiction. Beat some other things. It's just just an amazing story. He started to cry, and he goes, "I started to look up why I cry so much." And he goes, uh, "It's it's your biological that you would you would cry when you are so joyful. It's the way you the equilibrium. It brings your body back to equilibrium. It's why you cry when you are happy." And um, and so now I know that's not the only reason. I know there is other things. But I, I want you to understand this. I want you to hear me. And I, and I really believe this about some of you individually and as personally and, and us as a people. Is that God is restoring joy. And for some of you, even in the last couple weeks, you felt like, and even through the Christmas season and Advent, um, you felt like God was doing a new thing. And, and there was part of you that felt like you couldn't fully engage that or fully step into that uh, because of everything else that is going on. Because there are people around you that are hurting. Because there are situations and scenarios that are difficult. And there is a a, a country and and a world that is fighting through something. And so you felt like you can't lean into that. And I just want to tell you this. I I, I believe the Lord is giving the church joy so that the church could give joy. I think the joy of the Lord is a witness. The, the, The first glimpse of Jesus most people will get is you. And so while lament is necessary and needed and should never ever be condemned or left out. Joy must also come in the morning. Joy must also be our strength. And like Paul says, we must rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. And God wants to restore the joy and restore the heart of you this week, this month, this year. God is deciding and wanting in your life for some of you, whether it be this year, this last year, year before, or the last few years, God is restoring something. Not just bringing you back to, but restoring dreams and restoring future and restoring things that you believe something was taken from you. Some of that is just a word for you and you need to receive it. Some of that's just encouraging and those of you guys need to receive that as well. But I just felt like, and I I felt like the Lord is going to do something new in this community. And I I had this, oh, I I mentioned the worship playlist. The reason I mentioned that is it's got about like, I don't know now, it started as like a list we could do new songs from. Um, Now it's got like 70 songs. It's like there's no chance we're going to do them all. Um, we could just do one, like yeah. Just we're gonna do a week of worship. You guys come, and go as you please. Um, yeah, 24 hours. Um, and, and and I'm not referring in And like 80% of them, 85% of them are like, you know, slower. Like you know, I don't know what songs you know, but like some of the last, last couple songs we sang. And then the other like 10%, 15%. And the 10 to 15% is the one that showed up this morning on my, like the first four songs. So I'm like jumping around the house. And yes, I do actually do that. Um, I enjoy praise and worship. Boys think it's funny and they jump in. Um, I think the church should be the least insecure people on the planet. Um, the least insecure people on the planet should be the church because your security is in him. Amen. And, um, and so who cares? Like, I don't care. I'm going to rejoice when I rejoice and celebrate when I celebrate. I'm going to love people well. I'm going to honor people. I'm going to respect people. Respect isn't something earned. Quit doing that. Trust is something earned. Respect is something given. That's what God gave to you when he breathed life into you. He honored you. He said, this, one worth, this one's worthy, my love. From the jump, without you doing anything, molded you, created you, and said, I love you, respected you. So I just I want to encourage you in this, that joy is coming in the morning. And I'm not doing the new goals thing. I'm not telling you to make goals this year. Uh, I'm just telling you right now. I'm just telling you right now. I really believe this. Uh, that for some of you, there's going to be, and most of you, there's going to be a joy that has been missing. A joy that has um, left. A joy that you have lost. And God is going to restore it. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. Y'all hung out with me for a minute. Um, give it up for these guys as they give me time to open my water bottle. I said at uh, the wedding I did this week, I said to them, um, because of their journey, and because some of the things they've walked through, uh, I said, you know, Jesus doesn't come here uh, to take you away from this place. No, Jesus came here uh, to bring a place with him. And so often we get it wrong about Jesus. We we think that we're here to escape the world. Um, No, we're here to bring heaven to it. And one of the goals and the desires and the vision of our heart is that that people would see Jesus. That's it. I mean, that's everything. On your street, where you work, where you play, where you hang out, places you go, the people you meet, that they would see Jesus. That's what we want. And for some, that means getting a new vision of Jesus. For some, that they need to see Jesus in a way they haven't seen him before. And for some, they need to see Jesus for the first time ever. Uh, we, whether we understand this or not, we are living most likely in a either almost or a very much a post-Christian culture. In other words, the tenets or the values that we believe already are there are most likely not necessarily there. But what you're also seeing is a, a generation that has, well, they have kind of named it, but they haven't totally named it yet. Uh, that, is, that is looking for those values again. And, and I don't mean that, that they're looking for it in Jesus. I just mean that there is a generation that there's been a couple generations now where it's all been about deconstruction. It's been about peeling apart, pulling back the layers, and taking down. And, and while that's good, what happens is if you don't have a redemption value, if you don't believe that God can restore, then all you do is tear down. How many of you know that? We've seen a little bit of that. And you don't put anything in its place because you don't have anything to give, you just have anything to to pull down. Now again, some of you like love Uber, and that happened because someone deconstructed um, what the taxi industry was. Some of you love Airbnb, why did that happen? Because someone deconstructed what the hotel industry was, the hospitality industry. So there's, deconstruction is a good thing, and in and, and many ways, the church has in some ways the last several years and, and currently is being deconstructed. There's certain layers to it that maybe have gone, started to cover up who Jesus is, and some of those things have begun to be peeled away, and, and for some of us, that's uncomfortable because we lived our whole life a certain way. For some of us, it's invigorating because we're really excited about how it's speaking to us, doing Honest Advent last year. You can see remnants of it in our gallery. It, there's, there's different things that go on. And, and, and so there's this deconstruction thing, but there's also what's happening is there's a realization that's beginning to happen. And it's why you see so many young people in church, at least, going towards some of the mainline denominations. The reason is because they're looking for a liturgy. They're looking for something that is consistent and regular and is attached to history. Something that has lasted longer than the latest trend. Something that has made it past the trials and tribulations and the difficulties of being just a trend. So they're, they're looking back to something that is ancient. Hello. This, this, this is nice. Um, and, and so they're looking for something. And the church can step in that place and either go, we've been telling you all this time, or we can just gently and lovingly offer Jesus again. And Jesus is okay with that. He's been offering his life from the jump, from the beginning. And so we want people to see Jesus. Amen? I just wanted to remind you as we get into the new year. And I believe we are going to see that happen. All right, I want to jump off the way we ended last year. I don't know if you know this, but this is the, technically considered the second Sunday after Christmas. Christmas is a season. I know many of you know that because you do it all the way up until Christmas, then you take all the lights. How many of you still have lights up? Anybody have lights up? We Got a few, okay. Are they turned on or are you just, they're up because you haven't taken them down yet? Okay, still running? Okay, cool. Uh, I took my lights down, but that's because we got back from the wedding and they'd been wind-blown off. So And they're easy. It took me 10 minutes to take them down. Uh, our Christmas tree is still up. The lights are still on, uh, and, and <laughs> it's attached to the power switch that turns on my coffee maker. So every morning the Christmas tree goes on, um, and so it's great. Uh, but technically, Christmas is a 12-day season. So you, from Christmas Day, there's 12 days of Christmas. So if some of you like still wanting presents, you're allowed to. And uh, and it's a 12-day thing. And in the church, next week we'll start what you would call Epiphany. It's it's kind of the revelation of Christ in the world. And uh, so I wanted to kind of take advantage of this uh, kind of 12 days of Christmas and and kind of take advantage of this opportunity to speak on something we talked about last weekend in our C3 at home service. Anybody get a chance to watch at least a few minutes of that? I know most of us, if you're watching online, you're only catching a few minutes at a time uh, because you're also trying to be the kid's pastor if you're at home Uh, or your coffee didn't taste good and you can go ahead and get up, go make your other one or run an errand or whatever. Um, But if you caught any of that. Uh, you know that the way we ended it, uh, and I thought Talisha hosted that beautifully and Kristen hosted that beautifully. Didn't you guys? I thought they were awesome. Um, I thought it was one of the best things we've done. I thought it was so good. Uh, but we ended it with a verse that I want to jump into today and, uh, and, and 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 kind of encourage us. And then I want to go to the very next chapter. So you can go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And in the vein of us seeing Jesus, I'll, I want to let you know as dinner parties will launch again, we'll talk about how that's going to look with everything going on. Um, but also, we're looking at launching something called Alpha. Some of you may or may not have heard of Alpha. Alpha is only and only, only a place to ask questions. So if you're a Christian that likes to tell everybody the truth, <laughs> um, it probably won't be for you or it's actually be a great place for you to listen um, Alpha is purely and only a place for you to ask questions about faith and ask questions about Jesus, and to begin to talk about those things and discuss those things honestly and openly, and to give a place for people who would never show up in a church or never show up and have all the answers a place to ask some questions. And uh, it has it has gone all over the world. And the guy Nicky Gumbel, who I think is just one of the best, uh, was a barrister in England, which is, just means a lawyer. Brilliant guy, uh, came around to Jesus as he began to dis- lean into it and try to ask questions and he started something called Alpha, and in the, like the 300 different Alpha groups that he's run, he's never answered a single question, and yet uh, hundreds of people have decided to follow Jesus because Jesus was actually good with questions. Jesus didn't deny questions. Jesus didn't shut down questions. Jesus usually followed a question with another question. If we would be better at asking better questions, we would take for people much further than just giving them answers. We like to put periods, right? We like to go, no, this is how it is. And uh, we love, as Mark Sayers, and I've quoted this a lot lately, we love to believe that we're at the end of history. Uh, You know, as we look back and we go 50 years ago, 100 years ago, they were doing it all wrong. I'm just telling you, I'm just going to let you know, in 50 or 100 years, there's going to be people looking back at us going, what were they thinking? We We are often believing that in this moment, it is the last moment, and we've figured out everything that needs to be figured out. We've answered all the questions about the church and about Jesus and about and we need to make space for it because Jesus was good at it. And so that will happen as we, because we want people to see Jesus. And some of that will happen through an opportunity and space to ask those questions. Okay, I, that one, that broke. My voice was broke. So let's get into this. All right, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to do two of these things. Um, and we're going to go Luke chapter 1, verse 38. It's the way we ended last year. And then we're going to jump to Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 41 through 52. And uh, reading out of two different translations, sorry, but I just, I really love the way uh, one of these translations worded it. Which I think it's great. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, it says this, and the angel had just shown up to Mary and told her what was about to happen, what the Holy Spirit was about to do, and who she was about to give birth to, and this was her response, and I loved it. It says, then Mary responded, saying, this is amazing. Now, remember the circumstance. Remember what's surrounding this. She, she is not yet married in a culture where marriage is everything, uh, and in a culture where uh, she would have been bestowed to, or in, and, and in a culture where being pregnant outside of wedlock would have had all kinds of uh, taboo attached to it. Uh, she responds to the angel by saying, this is amazing. Sometimes the gifts God gives don't fit the scenarios we're currently in, and that's okay this, you know, I remember my dad gave me a gift one year, He um, and, and this was, it was wild at the time, but uh, he gave me this CD. Do we have a picture of a CD that we can throw on the, <laughs> he gave me the CD, and I thought that was, that was nice, Dad, and he goes, go put it in, in, in my car, and so I went out, and I put it in, my, we actually had the same cars, but his was nicer, uh, mine was a little bit beat up, and he, he, uh, he goes, go put it in my car, and I was like, that's cool, and this is Christmas, this is a Christmas Day gift. So I I walked outside, and I put the CD in the brand-new CD player that was in his car, and I was like, that's awesome, Dad. So you gave yourself a gift and gave me a present that would help accentuate eh, that you gave yourself a gift. Um, And so I went out, and I put it in there, and that's when he told me that he was giving me his car and that he would take mine. Now, he eventually traded that in, so it wasn't that much of a sacrifice. But um, no, I'm just joking. But but he so when I opened that gift, though, it made no sense. It made zero sense. And not only that, he went and told me to get into a car that wasn't mine and put it into a CD player that I didn't own. In fact, that I was actually a little bit angry about at the time. I need the CD player. And um, and so sometimes God gives you gifts and you look at them in your hands and they don't fit your circumstance. Uh, Do not diminish. Uh, a gift God gives based upon the circumstance you find yourself in. It might just be that that gift needs some time. It might be that that gift needs a new circumstance. It might be that that gift uh, is about to be revealed in the things that he's about to change, in the next thing he's about to give you. And so it's important for us to understand. It's why Paul tells us, stir up the giftings that God's given you. Make sure that those gifts don't Die off. Make sure that those gifts don't just become embers. Make sure uh, that you're doing something. If you're a creator, create something all the time. If you're a businessman, come up with ideas. If you're a businesswoman, come up with ideas. If you make sure that the gifts and the dreams and the desires God's put in your heart, don't let them just go off to the wayside. God's going to rebirth, re, uh, uh, renew some of those dreams uh, this year. He says, "This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord." As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. Now, I want to put this in context. I want, I want you to understand something. Have you ever, if you're married or maybe you've got a friend like this, on your way home, call your wife, call your husband, Usually it's the wife, but we'll just we just anyways. Uh you call your wife and you go and you'll know why I said that in a minute. Hey babe, I'm on my way home. Uh do you want anything to eat? Have you made anything? No, 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 no. Okay, cool. Do you want anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you want? Just whatever. Okay, I was thinking. Option A. No. Okay, I'll let that one slide. How about we do this? Yeah, no, I'm not really feeling that. All right. I'm I'm a gracious spouse. Uh, How about we do this? It's not as on the way as the other two options I just gave you. But how about option C? No, that's a terrible idea. Okay, babe, what do you want? And sometimes they double down. They go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. I don't want to fight right now. <laughs> Semantics matter to me. Okay, this thing matter. It matters. matters if you put a comma in your text messages. I need to know how I'm supposed to read what you just wrote. Okay. Just whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anybody know, has anyone lived that experience? Anyway, some of you are like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have made you raise your hand. I'm sorry. Sorry, a bad move. I apologize. I apologize. Sam as like, my husband or my wife's home pregnant, so she doesn't even care. It doesn't matter if she didn't see me raise my hand. We got two weeks till uh, uh, Samuel and Cassidy have their little baby. Yeah, exciting. At maybe two weeks, it might be sooner. Um, Whatever. I I actually looked up the definition of whatever. I just wanted to make sure I understood the definition of whatever. Okay? Whatever is defined first as anything or everything. Cool. Anything or everything. The second definition is no matter what. Babe, what do you want to eat? Whatever. So anything or everything. Everything. Yeah, yeah. No matter what? Uh Uh-huh. So do you want this? No. Then you don't mean whatever. I'm helping some marriages out. Just stop using the word. Just say, I don't know. That's better. Don't say whatever. But how many times come January 1st? Hey, God, what do you want me to do? God looks at you, and goes, "Hey," and I'm gonna flip it. God looks at you and goes, "Hey, what do you, what do you, what do you want? It? What, do you want it? what do you, what do you, what do you got to go on? What do we need to do? I've got this idea for you." And I'm, you're like, "Whatever, whatever you want from me, Lord, whatever you want from me." He goes, "How about you do this? How about you go here? How about you talk to that person? How about you step, take a step, and go after that job? What if you actually gave this a shot?" Yeah, I mean, not that, but whatever. I have this hypothesis, and it's not firm yet, okay? So I'm just going to throw it out there. In a year like 2020, people who were value-driven more than goal-driven probably handled it better. What I simply mean is, and I don't think goals are great. I set goals, so don't get me wrong here. What I'm saying is in a year where the goals you had probably looked different by the end of the year, the values that guided your life, in other words, the behaviors that are most important to you, you, in your best case scenario, those values probably made more of a difference in an unpredictable uncertain world than even the goals you had set amen is that a, this is a pretty good hypothesis you come back to me later and let me know we 'll do a paper about it but this idea in, in in this moment here's what here's what mary's telling us here 's what Mary is saying to to the angel what what mary's saying is my greatest value is whatever you say, let that come to pass. Not as in whatever you say, if it's this. Whatever you have for me, if it's till you wait after Joseph and I get married. and It's whatever you say, if everyone else approves of the fact that I'm going to be pregnant and I'm going to tell everyone it was, it was the Holy Spirit and angel and like, I'm, Whatever, if, usually the whatever we give the Lord is followed by a conditional if. But the word whatever in the Bible and the word whatever anywhere else it is, is everything or anything. And so I could have come in today, and I, I, I had the feeling of maybe doing this, and because I, I still think it's good. I don't, I don't think you should stop thinking about your dreams and stop thinking about what might be ahead. And I think vision matters. I think looking at the horizon is important. I think you should do that on a regular basis. Um, it, 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 both physically um, and spiritually. But I wanted to take a different approach to today, first Sunday in January. Here's the approach. I don't want you today to, to make sure that you've set your goals. I, I want you to make sure that today you've set your values. And your values should start with whatever. 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 Anything, everything is on the table with you, Lord. Now, the, now you will only say that if you believe good things about your Father. You will only say that if you actually trust that all good gifts come from heaven above. You will only say that if you believe His love is unconditional. You, you will only say that if you believe joy comes in the morning. You will only say that if Eternity is a bigger part of your viewpoint than the temporary. You only say that if resurrection is something you believe in. You only say that if you believe God is bigger than every circumstance you walk through. Whatever. Whatever you have for me. See, when Jesus called his disciples and said, hey, follow me, they didn't go, okay, but I've got some goals. I'm really hoping that in three years, I'll have been at this place by this time, and it, anyone who's lived on this earth and i'm I'm about to hit forty, I know I look younger, it's great. um no actually everybody they always like, well, you're younger I don't, anyways, uh when I was a youth pastor, they always thought I was in high school but every every time anyone who's lived this earth longer than like twenty two years, in fact, I would say if you've lived on this earth longer than like seven years, you realize. That your plans are never as straight as you think they will be. And that this might be a little more of a crooked path than you ever thought it would be. And I'm not trying to tell you that every bad thing was because God wanted that for you. Please don't misunderstand what I'm telling you. What I am telling you is what kind of possibilities in your life and mine have been limited by the fact that when we said whatever, we actually meant if. What opportunities did we miss because it didn't fit the conditions that we thought would best make up our future? I mean, you, some of you guys may have heard of Charity Water, and I love this illustration because it's, it's, Charity Water is started by a guy named Scott Harrison. It's one of the biggest uh, water organizations in the world, and it's an incredible... and, and um, Every year they do this gal, They raise millions of dollars to, to put wells in different places. And He started as a club promoter and was one of the best in New York City. I mean, one of the best, was, was, was making crazy money, was, was waking up at 9 p.m., staying out till 6 a.m. He, he, everything you thought you wanted in New York, he had. He knew it all. He knew everybody. He had it all. And there was a point at which being up at midnight didn't actually, uh, wasn't actually that appealing anymore. And he went on a trip, wasn't necessarily a believer, wasn't, he went on a trip to something called mercy ships. Uh, he was just going to take photos, he's a really great photographer, he was just going to take photos. And something happened on that trip that completely shifted his perspective. And you begin to help people and see people in need and see people. Here he is, staying up all night, spending crazy amounts of money, helping other people spend crazy amounts of money. And he's coming into these places, third world countries, and helping people who all they needed was $100 to do this surgery and their life would be drastically different. And it was that one little trip on Mercy Ships where he said, whatever. And he went back home and he stopped doing the club promotion. He started something called Charity Water. And now it has has changed the lives of millions of people. See, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we think we know what is best for us. I'm going to tell you, because I have kids, they don't always know. They think they know, and I'm okay if they tell me what they think. At some point, we have to be able to say, whatever, whatever, whatever you have for me, let it be. Whatever you've spoken over me, let that be the thing. Whatever you've decided for me. Let it be so. And in that kind of posture, no matter what 2021 looks like, if it even looks a little bit like 2020, whatever comes my way, I will trust the Lord. Whatever comes my way, I will see the opportunity in it. Whatever comes my way. How many of you guys would say that this year there were things that came up in your heart that because of the fact that you were having to stay home more, or because of the fact that you had to do certain things differently. I remember talking to uh, Chris Lee, who, who's a big part of feeding children everywhere, uh, and runs, I don't, I don't even know now, I, think, I feel like you, you keep moving up the ladder, but anyways, uh, you run four warehouses now, okay, four warehouses, feeding tons of people, and uh, just an incredible deal, and I remember talking to you a, a couple months into this whole thing, and you guys had to complete, because you, you were built on the idea of bringing 150 people together, and packaging meals, and doing all this stuff, and you couldn't do that anymore, so all of a sudden, it became an online thing. And then you could become this online shop, and you could adopt it, and you could do it as a church, all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's revolutionized in so many ways how you guys do things. And, and so if, if they had said, no, we only do it like this. Hey, guys, I got this idea. No, no, no. If it fits this model, then we'll do it. no, no. no. Whatever you have. And the whatever kind of mentality will keep you in a place. One, it will keep you humble. Two, it will keep you listening. If you're not listening to the Lord, you'll miss the word he has for you, right? Uh, But third, it will keep you creative. It will keep you looking at things as an opportunity to make something new rather than hold on to something old. So whatever, what kind of mentality, what kind of things would be opened up to you and I if we were like Mary and the Lord gave us a word over something or the Lord gave us something to do or the Lord gave us an idea and we simply said, whatever you say. Whatever you say. Well, I was hoping it was going to look like, I, I, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever you say. Now, Mary said this, and I'm going to close with this one. Luke chapter 2. you go to Luke chapter 2. Mary said this before Jesus was a teenager. Right? Whatever you, I'm going to have the Lord. I mean, how many of you thought? I mean, just think about this. Hey, you're going to have the Savior. Like, you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Right? Son of God. How many of you go, yeah, that kid's going to be perfect. He ain't going to cry. I mean, you know, we just walked through Honest Advent. That's not really the way it is projected to us. He was as, as, as human as we are, and yet divine, right? And so Jesus shows up on the earth, and Jesus lives as a child. I'm sure there were days he ran out in the street and he wasn't supposed to. Right? Almost got run over by a donkey or something. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure he ever, I, maybe he didn't. I don't know. Y'all, some of you are like, wait, this is starting to encroach on my theology. Um, I'm sure Jesus every once in a while did something he wasn't supposed to do. And uh, and I'm sure Jesus was was maybe not always quiet when he was supposed to be quiet. I'm sure he didn't always stay at the table and eat the whole meal before he got up. I'm sure there are times where he left the corn on the plate or the broccoli or whatever other thing that you guys don't like to eat. I think those are both beautiful things, and I thank God they are created. But I, 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 I'm sure he didn't eat some of his stuff. And we know this, and some of you guys know Jesus No, Jesus did it all perfectly. And you could say that maybe this next part is more about the parents than the kid, but Luke chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Every year his, meaning Jesus, parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival, when he was twelve years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it, assuming he was in the traveling party. They went a day's journey. Man, that's doing life in community. I'm just saying, like that's doing life. That's that's a whole other level of that's like home alone. Um, everybody, get in the van. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm getting older. Assuming he was in a traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then, I love it, then they began to look for him. I'm just wondering if any of us would do that. Like, I'm just, I know Meredith wouldn't. I might. Um, but that's because Meredith wouldn't. So I don't have to. <laughs> so they go a day's journey. And and then they start looking for their child, the savior of the flipping world, right? Like this is the king of kids, this is the Lord. Maybe that's what gave them a little less concern. Like he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine, right? Maybe they thought, like, maybe they thought he was taken care of. I don't know. Um, but they definitely they waited a day. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. So, <laughs> It's not like they left him in a mall. They left him in a city. Go find him in a city. i got to go back to Fort Worth. My kid's there somewhere. (laughs) After three days, they found Jesus in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. I told you he liked questions. The Bible does say that Jesus grew in wisdom. In fact, it's the verse prior to what I just read to you. Jesus grew in wisdom grew in stature, because stature is more attached to wisdom than size. We, we love in our celebrity culture to give uh, stature to people who have all the measurements. Um, but but I, I would say and I would hope that the church and I would anyone who any is younger, and I'm, I, would still, I, I still have people in my life who I'm, I'm going to look for wisdom, because my stature and who I am is built on the wisdom that I have, not built on the things that I have or the way I look or whatever else. Astounded as he was answering questions, asking questions, answering questions. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? (laughs) I'm like, I mean, y'all laughed. They probably left that out of the Bible, looked bad on Jesus. But your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Anxiously searching for you. Hey, whatever you have for me. Let it be so. Does not preclude us from experiencing anxiety, worry. I would tell you, in March, April, I, I've never felt more anxious. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch surfing and go, everything's good, bro. Actually, I will never say that. I don't know why I did that. If, on film, it's forever. It's going to live in infamy. I would never say that. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but this this year this year definitely put me in a spot where I thought I don't know what's what's going to happen. I didn't know. And the parents look for Jesus. So I, we were anxiously anxiously searching for you. And then Jesus answers. I feel like this is a little bit, as a little bit sarcastic or snooty or whatever. It says why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them, came to Nazareth, was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and with people. I don't know if any of you anxiously sought out Jesus in 2020. Um, I don't know if some of you worryingly looked for Jesus. Now I some of you, um, it, with real concern and despair. We're trying to figure out where Jesus was. This is the same woman who said, whatever you have for me. It says, well, prepare for Jesus to throw you a few curveballs. And Jesus looked back at his parents and said, and then he went with them obediently, right? Like, so Jesus wasn't doing this to, he looked at him and says, you know what I'm here for. Why are you looking for me? You should have known where I'd be. I don't think Jesus looks at us after a tough year, a challenging year, and goes, you knew where I'd be. But I do think he looks at us and says, why are you so anxious? We will find Jesus, at least in our view, in unexpected places. And Jesus will look back at us and go, I've been waiting for you here. And so in many ways, the whatever that Mary said when the, when, when the angel said, you're going to have a Savior matches up with the unexpected way in which she found him as a young teenage boy. Because whatever is everything and anything, meaning that there are places and there are times and there are people where you will find Jesus in the coming weeks and months and years, and they will not be in the way you thought. You actually may have traveled a day or a week or a month in a certain direction just assuming he was in the pack. And Jesus is back where he wants you to be reminded of his purpose. Jesus is here to bring heaven to earth, to remind people that every single one of us is included in his story and to be invited into his story. And the way we rewrite our narrative of our life is not to try to become the author of it, but to hand the pen over and to find Jesus in places we didn't expect, to find Jesus in places we don't even understand. But eventually, and at some point, we will look back and go, that's exactly what you had in mind. Some of you are already looking back at last year, and you're going, I didn't expect any of this. And as hard as it was, and as difficult as it still is, I'm finding God in unusual, unexpected places. And in some ways, I still don't understand fully why. But I trust him enough to keep saying, whatever you say. Whatever you say. So yes, I want you to set goals. Sure, I want you to have vision. I think it's necessary. I think it's good. I think it's in your makeup as a human to look. But I would say to you, prior to the vision comes the value of saying to the Lord, of saying to Jesus, whatever you say. So if you sit down to pray, and you go, God, I was thinking this and this and this and this, and he goes, Yeah, those are great. I love your creativity. That's so good. It's a good young child. It's great. Awesome. I was thinking more like this. Okay. Whatever you say. Anything. Everything. I'll lay that down. So many times when we think about submitting ourselves to the Lord, we think we're losing something. I believe God is renewing it, recycling it, making it better. God is moving in your life whether you know it or not. So I want to give just a moment. Worship team can come up. But normally I would give you 30 seconds or so um, to ask the Holy Spirit what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. I just don't think I have everything that needs to be said. Um, The Lord wants to speak to you just as much as he does me and anybody else in the room. For some of you, it might just be an impression. For some of you, you might just all of a sudden be reminded of something. Uh, for some, you'll feel pretty strongly that he's speaking. Um, that's okay. It's going to look different for everybody. But I just want to give you a minute as the keys are playing, as the team's getting ready, for you to just in your own moment, in your own time, to look at the Lord, to look at my Jesus and say, whatever. I'm not coming out of 2020 going, no, okay, you put me through that. Now I'm going to do this and this man, I I believe God's going to do great things through you. I do that 100%. No doubt about it. But I think it happens when, like Mary, we say, whatever you say. So I want to give you just a little bit of time. It might go a little bit longer than you think is comfortable, but I'm okay with that. And I just want you to ask the Lord, what is it that you have for me? But more importantly, I want you to say to him, whatever you say. And I wanted us today as a church to resolve in our spirit who we are going to be as people. Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that as, as people pray, as people ask you, as people uh, declare to you, as people uh, come in their hearts to you, I pray that there would be something that is impressed upon their spirit. Something that encourages them, something that challenges them, something that reminds them that you are good, that whatever you have, whatever it is, whether it's the thing we were wanting or whether it's the thing that you know is best, whatever you have, let it be so. In Jesus' name,